Welcome back to the Sporting Around the World podcast, episode 48, Sports in Malawi. My name is Bobby. Joining me as always is David. So we've covered some pretty obscure countries in the past. This one might be our most obscure yet. David, have you even heard of Malawi before? Uh, I feel like I have, but if you were to ask me anything about the country, I would not be able to give you anything else you know, at all. Right. I, I think I felt the same way. But that's the thing. We're committed to covering every country in the world. They all got their own story, right? They have to. They have to. They have to. And I imagine this one being taking place in Africa probably doesn't have the prettiest one to start with. But, you know, at the very least, you know, they're on their own now. They're a recognized country. So that's good. That's like, you know, a huge part of doing your own thing. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the countries in Africa start off with the same way. We, we go through the background first. So if you're new to us, prepare for a little bit of a history lesson and some background, because let's be honest, most of you listening haven't heard of Malawi. But like we said, we're committed to covering every country in the world, regardless of size or scope. So where is Malawi? It is in Southeast Africa. It is bordered by Zambia to the west, Tanzania to the north and northeast, and then Mozambique essentially wraps around the entire southern half of the country. So Malawi is landlocked. Now, Malawi is pretty narrow, running from north to south, so similar to Chile, except much shorter. It's like a little squiggle shape. But taking up about a quarter of its area and most of its eastern border is Lake Malawi. It's the ninth largest lake in the world, and it plays a huge part in the lives of many people living in Malawi, as you can imagine. I mean, there's something like a thousand different species of fish, a lot of them endemic to this lake, uh, not to mention other animals living there, but it's a natural wonder, you could say. Yeah, I, I'm always interested in, um, I guess, rare ecosystems, you know, and, it, and this one seems pretty neat. You said like, what, uh, uh, like around a thousand or, you know, over a thousand species. It's tough to measure because there are so many endemic to the lake that you won't find elsewhere. It's just, I guess, different colors. You can't tell what's a different species, what you could describe as a subspecies. Oh, yeah, I, I see. But yeah, anytime like you get something that's like very unique, I, I don't know, I, I kind of eat that up. And it seems like the lake as a whole is a pretty special place. I imagine there's a lot of uh, scientists, you know, spending time there. Yeah, and they have uh, Lake Malawi National Park. So I feel like that's probably the biggest draw for people coming to this country. And you can see it on the map. It it's, takes up a huge chunk. But some of the other animals in there, David, include Nile crocodiles and hippos. So excluding mosquitoes, one of those two is the most deadly animal in Africa. And I think you know yeah. which one I'm talking about. It's, it's, the, it's the hippo. And yes. frankly, of all the videos I've seen of them just like full sending through the water, I, I, I don't think I want to be anywhere near hippo territory ever they're terrifying and like equally scared of crocodiles but like i mean i've you know i don't know i just hippos they're big and they're fast it's like the you know it's, it's like the videos of uh the rugby players where there's like the little small guy running and then you see like this massive guy like just like stalk you know running them down and you're like yep, how does yep. that happen uh, hippos that's it's a similar it's thing the hippos. Hippos. <laughs> yeah you got the largest freshwater crocodile in the world and then you just have water cows but one of them is the scary one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so part of why the lake is formed is because Malawi lies in the Great Rift Valley of East Africa. So we mentioned that in previous country profiles like Djibouti, and I think Uganda as well. Basically, two tectonic plates are diverging there, and it creates some pretty low valleys. So Lake Malawi is, I think, 
one of the deepest lakes in Africa too. But on the sides of it, you have pretty high plateaus and some mountain ranges. So Lake Malawi, pretty low lying, but the land to the west of the lake where most of the land of Malawi is, it's pretty high in elevation. Gets a bit lower in elevation to the south. And as you can imagine, the climate would be impacted by the altitude. So the west and north parts of Malawi going to be more temperate, still not going to get that cold. Like you, I don't think you'll ever experience snow unless you're really high up a mountain. Uh, and then in the south, it's much more of a tropical-esque climate. Like Malawi is near the equator. It's a bit south of it, southern hemisphere. But David, time for your favorite part of the episode. Guess the population. Yeah, do you have anything like to help me out? I feel like this is... Yeah, I, I've got, I got some hints for you. So just to help you on the scope, the size of Malawi... 118,000 square kilometers, comparable to the U.S. state Pennsylvania. So maybe not super small, but not big either. And just the population range, guess anywhere in between 10 to 50 million. I mean, it can't be that big, right? It can't be. I'm going to guess like, I don't know. I feel like this is a trap. I'm going to guess like 15. Uh, yeah, not bad. Uh, 20 right now. Yeah, okay. I was I was like, I, this is a smaller country. I barely know anything about it. You know, I'm feeling pretty confident it was it was towards the lower end. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, is like like a lot of countries in Africa that we've covered, pretty rapidly growing. I don't know the exact rate, but just the rate that they're growing at is like 20 million now, and it's just going to continue to grow. But a little bit different from other countries we've covered in the world is that Malawi has two major cities. So the capital, it is the largest city in Malawi. That is Lilongwe located in the central part of the country. But you also have a city called Blantyre. It's in the south of the country, pretty comparable in size, a little bit smaller. But the, the name Blantyre, that brought me to a rabbit hole. Did you ever hear about the uh, explorer David Livingston? Uh, I don't think so. There, there's a famous quote with him. Like He went exploring in Africa in like the 1800s. And this guy named Henry Stanley eventually found him. And the, allegedly the first thing he said was Dr. Livingston, I presume. And it's kind of like a famous quote. I don't know if you've heard of that. Mm, that does sound familiar now that you said yeah. it. Well, David Livingston, he was an explorer. He was a Christian missionary also. And apparently an abolitionist regarding slavery. But anyway, he was from Scotland. Look, I, I read a lot about this guy, so I don't know his like how... Uh, well-regarded he is in history. I think some people downplay his importance on exploration. Some people, uh, I guess, criticize him as well. But short of it is that he is held in somewhat of a high regard to people uh, living in Africa. So the city of Blantyre is named after Doc, uh, David Livingston's hometown in Scotland, which was Blantyre. Just thought that was kind of unique. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you go from Ilungwe, something that kind of Sounds very African, I guess. But then you go to Blantyre and you're like, I got questions, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That, that's like the it, it jumps out at you like, why? <laughs> this is this is different. This is different. Yeah. See, that's the other thing I was uh, going to try to get at is like a lot of colonial remnants uh, from Africa. Like they renamed most things uh, like most cities to, you know, African names. And then you still have Blantyre there like, yeah, OK. But as for who the people are in Malawi, several different ethnic groups, the largest population being the Chewa, around 25 to 30% of the population. 
Uh, you also have the Lomwe, the Yao, and the Tambuka. They make up significant numbers, somewhere like 15 to 20% each. Uh, and then it just drops off after that. And as far as languages go, every people group is going to have their own. But English is, I guess, the most widely spoken. And you know what that brings us to? The quick history rundown. That's right. I, I predict colonialism. Yes. Uh, I mean, of course. Why do they speak English? Yeah, we get to the British. But before that, I mean, people have lived in the area around Lake Malawi for millennia. You know, the, the lake is a pretty good place to build a civilization. Uh, at one point, we had the Moravi Empire. That was like the 1400s. That's where the name Malawi comes from. It's derived from Moravi. We'll get to what exactly Malawi as a name means a bit later. But 1800s, David Livingston comes in, Christianity, all that. And the British, the British create a protectorate in the 1890s that is eventually named Nyasa Land. Nyasa means lake in, I think, the native Yao language. It, lake land, essentially. So yeah, colonial era, we get to the 1950s. Uh, Nyasa Land was actually briefly part of the same uh, protectorate as Rhodesia, which we covered that. Zimbabwe, Zambia, and Malawi were all part of one unification for a brief time. But similar story to a lot of African independence movements, a guy named Hastings Banda leads the movement for independence. 1964, Malawi is independent, and Banda becomes president. Except he becomes president for life in a one-party state. So you know where that goes. Honestly, it seemed like he wasn't as bad as other African dictators go. I mean, I say that like other leaders that I've read about have these huge atrocities attributed to them, like massive body counts. I don't really know much about Banda, but it didn't seem to the extent like I didn't read there was a lot of civil unrest. I mean, there was, but not anything too groundbreaking. And there wasn't any military coups from what I read, because in the 90s, he just kind of stepped aside and a multi-party system came in place. But still, Malawi is a very poor country, especially on a per capita basis. And they're largely agriculture based, like they don't have a huge amount of mineral resources or anything else of note. So, yeah, that's Malawi. Yeah, it seems like a lot of um, countries in Africa, you know, we've said this before, but uh, a lot going on, a lot of bad, but also a lot of good. Yeah, dictators aren't ideal, but it happens, you know, when 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 power changes and whoever's running you know, the show changes. But it seems like we're, we're away from that now, right? Yes, we are. I think it's just the unfortunate part is where we can attribute some other countries like, why are they struggling? Why are they so poor? Well, you know, you had poor leadership, but at least they have all these natural resources that they might become prosperous one day. And I hate to say it, but I didn't really feel the optimism with Malawi. Oh, yikes. I, I'm not an economist. I don't know how to make things better when you don't have the resources, you know, on your land, I imagine it's very tough, but we're always optimistic here. Right. But yeah, that's where Malawi is. And maybe that also explains why I hadn't heard about it ever on the news before or in any context other than this is a country. But again, we're covering all the countries and we are going to cover their sports, not starting with the most popular. I mean, we could start with association football slash soccer, but no, we're not. We're going to start with the one that brought us to covering Malawi in the first place, and that's netball. Because when I saw netball, I looked into it, and I was like, wow, 
Malawi is really high on the rankings. We should cover them. I mean, we talked about it in a lot of previous episodes, like netball comes up. Oh, we're just going to cover it later. Well, here we are. We're covering netball now with Malawi. I think to a lot of people, it just looks like basketball. Uh, Is that true for you? Yeah, it definitely does look very similar. Um, You know, we've been talking about netball off air, you know, for a while now. It does look like basketball, but it's like as if someone told you about basketball and you had never seen it before, you know, and you made up like a game. You're like, oh, you know, there's like a there's a there's a net and uh, you put a ball through it. And it's like, okay, cool. We're going to put the net on a post in the ground. I don't know. That's that's what it seems like, like like a game of telephone gone wrong. So it's funny you mentioned that because that's kind of how it came to be. Like back in the 1890s, basketball became a thing played at you know, YMCA's and various gyms. Well, the short of how netball came to be is a gym teacher named Clara Bear misinterpreted the rules of basketball because, you know, it's the 1890s. She, I think she had like a letter explaining the rules from uh, was it James Naismith. Mm. And essentially she made an early version of what became netball. I don't know if you've ever tried writing down the rules to anything, but it's actually really difficult. We're not going to do it right now, but like back home, if you're listening, like I want you to think about let's take a game like rock, paper, scissors and write down the rules and then have someone else who obviously knows rock, paper, scissors, you know, pick it to death about how like you didn't you you didn't include this. And you didn't include that. And you didn't include this um, because like it, writing rules is hard. And I imagine getting that sheet of paper, you know, with like someone thought they were being clear, but it was probably not clear at all. Well, and also diagrams. True. I think that would. That was the big thing here was diagrams, and that's what kind of led to netball. So the basic rules for listeners who are unfamiliar. So it's played on a court very similar to basketball. I think it's like two meters longer, but it's essentially the same. But when you look at it, there's a huge difference. There's not a line dividing it in half down the middle. The court is divided into thirds. We'll get back to that. There's also a semicircle on each end Inside that semicircle is going to be that pole. 10 feet high, you're going to find a basket with no backboard. So that is where you score. You score onto this net that's attached to a pole. That's right. The bank's closed all the time in netball. The ball looks like a volleyball, except it's slightly bigger. So imagine a volleyball and a basketball. A netball is right in the middle of those sizes. The object is to score more than your opponent. Yeah, four quarters of 15 minutes each. But here's the big difference is that it is seven on seven and there's restricted movement on the court. So I mentioned that the court is divided into thirds. Each player, instead of having a number on their back, is going to have their position abbreviation designated on their jersey. And depending on your position, you're going to be restricted between what lines on the court you can move through. So we won't get into that. We'll get into it at a later date, hint, hint, but that's like the big difference. And then here's the other thing. You don't dribble in netball. You pass, and passes must be at least three feet apart. Uh, You can't do like any extreme two-line passes, so they have to be pretty short. But imagine like Ultimate Frisbee. When you catch it, you have to stop. And so you catch the ball. Whatever foot that you land on first, that becomes your plant foot. So like in basketball, you can pivot on that plant foot, but you can't pick it back up. And then uh, if you want to sub players off, you do that between quarters. So yeah, that that's netball. Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely, you know, a very unique sport, given the fact that it was derived off another sport. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, basketball was a very brand new thing there in the 1890s. So in a way, netball is just an offshoot from the very beginning. Like uh, I'm trying to think something with evolution where they just diverge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and netball, I, I think that's the big thing. You don't dribble. It's a lot of quick passing. I watched some videos just to understand it better. I think the limiting on positions is also very unique. I feel like in like middle school gym classes, they would have us have to stay in lanes for certain sports just so one person couldn't dominate in a certain thing. I don't know. I think when you teach little kids a sport, they, they force you to stay in like one area just so they're not running ragged. Yeah, yeah. No uh, no bumblebee ball, as they call it, where like the you know, swarm of children just following the ball, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah, so netball kind of looks like that. I mean, it's much more fluid, but back to Malawi, though. Why do they play netball? It is very popular among most of the former British colonies. The top countries in netball is Australia and New Zealand. But in the last 30 years or so, the African nations, the former British colonies of Africa, they're the ones who have really taken off in the sport. And in many cases, it's like the go-to sport for women. I think that's the case in Malawi. It's the most popular women's sport. And it's easy to set up for school children. And uh, and you don't need too much equipment. It's essentially just a basketball court, but with a pole instead of a net on a backboard. But as to what led to the growth of the sport in Malawi, I've read a lot of articles about British coaches and players just donating supplies and providing their help to Malawi and other African countries too, wanting to learn the sport. And really, there was no other sport filling that void for women's athletics. In a way, when netball was first created, it was seen as exclusively a women's sport. So it was always socially acceptable for them to play. So there's been very little resistance for its growth, I guess you could say. I mean, everyone's, I guess, more supportive of women playing netball. I think that's the lightest way I could put it. And hey, Malawi is sixth in the world now at it. Yeah, yeah, that that I think what you're saying makes sense. You know, I think for whatever reason in sports, we like to or in the past, we've liked to have like clear lines for men and women, which is a very outdated way of thinking now. I mean, it's very clear that on varying levels, both men and women are very capable of being incredible athletes. But it makes sense that in a world where, you know, more traditional values exist, it makes sense that a purely viewed women's sport thrived just because it it was quote unquote normal and natural and not, you know, that people didn't feel like they were infringing on male sports like soccer. It's not the right way to, it's not the right way to, you know, to think about it, but it it makes sense that that's how it's blown up. Yeah. Look, we we could talk more about that, like how women's soccer in the U.S. was just basically a product of Title IX regulations because they needed to fill out numbers. But yeah, Malawi, sixth in the world, believe it or not. And that's kind of what led to us wanting to make this episode because we were just surprised because also you never really hear about this country. But their first appearance at the World Championships for netball was in 1995. They finished eighth there. And then it's, it's a quadrennial tournament, so every four years. So if we go 2007, 2011, 2015 and 2019 Malawi finished fifth sixth sixth and sixth you could say oh there haven't been building upon their performances but really it's just netball has this very clear hierarchy where the gap between one and two and two and three or three and four 
I mean, it's significant. They're basically always beating the teams ranked below them. Who knows, though? 2023, the World Championships coming up very soon. Can Malawi build upon their best ever finish of fifth place? I mean, you got to expect at some point, the hierarchy has to be shaken up. Well, you know, and think about just with the way knockout brackets work. All it takes is, you know, one extra win to be on the podium, two extra wins to top the tournament. You know, I think that checks out math wise. So when you have any sport, I think any sport that's kind of niche, you're going to have these discrepancies of skill and investment in the sport for you know, the larger international tournaments. I mean, it's just it's just the way it is. And who knows? Uh, we're definitely going to root for them because, you know, anytime a small country can take down a big one, it's always very exciting. Yes. Uh, I will say, I don't think they actually do a knockout stage for this. It's just they do multiple group stages. Oh, oh, so it's just like, yeah, group stage. like, And, and then you advance like, oh, you're going to be in the championship round robin. Yeah, at that point, you really do have to run the gauntlet and be better than everyone. So it's tough. Yeah, I, I guess that's probably the most fair way to determine who the best team is. But everyone likes a good knockout bracket. Let's just switch it up. You know, let's, yeah. let's, let's add some chaos into it. Awesome. Yeah, sprinkle in the chaos, though. <laughs> that's why we love March Madness here, seeing those upsets. Uh, but even then, it doesn't really happen here in netball. Like Australia and New Zealand at the top. And then there's like a middling group of three to five. And then Malawi, definitely number six. But they haven't dropped. Look at that that way. They haven't dropped from being sixth best for like over a decade. Yeah, that is impressive. I mean, anytime you're there, you know, you're you're, you're on the cusp. Just keeping it is, is is equally as impressive as bursting up to the to the top. I mean, it's, it means that something is working. Right, right. Now there is another form of netball. It's relatively new. It is called fast five. And think of it like rugby sevens or T twenty cricket. It's the fast paced maybe a bit more exciting to the eye. So fast five netball works like this. You have six minute quarters. It's five on five, hence the name. There's rolling substitutions, which is always, I don't know, I find that very exciting, no stoppages. But here's the big difference. In netball, all shots are worth one point. In fast five, you can have two and three point shots, depending on where you shoot the ball from. And this is a unique one. A team can designate a quarter as a power play quarter where all points are worth double. So even the two and three point shots could be worth four or six points during that quarter. Uh, and since 2009, there has been a fast five world series featuring the best countries in the world. So before we get into that though, what do you think about fast five? This seems like uh, a format that was made up by children on the playground, you know, like they were like, oh, what if we did two and three point shots? And like, oh, what if we had like a quarter where, you know, that, that, that was where you got even more points. Like it's, it's kind of crazy. Like I can understand it for cricket because test cricket is a slog. Like it's just so much time. A shorter form of cricket, uh, test cricket, sure, sure. Makes perfect sense. Uh, this almost seems like too much it almost seems like they were making a video game for netball and then like made these rules you know like as and i guess i appreciate the thought and maybe it's grown the sport tremendously but it just seems kind of odd because basketball isn't really a long sport like you would never go to a basketball game and go i wish this was half the time and you know and you i don't know i feel like it makes sense for the slogs of sports you know that have like variations you know and 
like you said earlier, rugby sevens, like that's exciting because there's less people on the field and you can get more dynamic plays. But th- this one just seems kind of kind of out there. Yeah, I suppose we just haven't seen enough netball to really know what, what the difference between seven on seven as opposed to five on five. Yeah, maybe it's just really fast pace and like, you know, you can score really quickly and then, you know, everyone loves a good three point shot. So like maybe mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. genius, um, but I don't know. It does seem interesting that they have a kind of more condensed and dynamic rule set. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is relatively new. It seems like people really enjoy it. And one of the countries that enjoys it is Malawi. So in 2016, Malawi were one of the six teams to play at the World Series. It was the rest of the the top six teams in the world. So round robin format, Malawi finished fourth in the group stage. So the way that they did it after that is the fifth place team played the sixth place, third place played fourth place, and then second place played first place to determine the overall winner. So Malawi, they would play England in an attempt to finish third and get on the podium. Now, during the group stage, Malawi lost to England 43 to 22, which obviously that's like double the score. That's pretty bad. But in that match for third place, Malawi would win 35 to 32. Yeah, I mean, I feel like anytime, yeah, anytime you get to beat, you know, your your colonizer, you know, that's that's huge. Feels real good. It still feels good for us here when like we can beat them in a decent amount of sports. I don't know. It feels good. Feel feels right. Yeah. But in something like netball, where a clear line has been drawn, where England are definitely probably the third best team, maybe fourth best, depending on how they're shaken out. But I mean, clearly a superior team. I mean, they destroyed you before, but when it was on the line to get on that podium, you accomplished it. Yeah. Yeah. I think anytime you crack the podium, great story, but anytime you beat, you know, someone who has kind of been, uh, categorically labeled as better than you. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, that's kind of like their biggest accomplishment in netball, I'd say. I mean, yeah, you, you finish on a podium for the first time. Big deal. And that's on the world stage, too. And obviously, Malawi have had some pretty notable players across their uh, history with netball. First one to mention is Mary Waya, one of the first stars for the national team. And she has gone on to coach national teams of other African countries. And then Tawera Vincumbo, she was on that bronze medal team in 2016 and currently plays in England at club level because that's where they have the Netball Super League. I think that's the pinnacle of netball in the world as far as like club level goes. But interestingly, she has also played for Malawi's national women's football team. So two sports at the highest level. Yeah, that's sweet. Like, I feel like that's insane. Like there, there's probably other people that have done that. And you probably need to be from a, a, a smaller country where you can just kind of rely on being just athletically sound. But still, that's insane. Yeah, usually you'd expect that to come from you know smaller countries. I mean, Malawi's women's football team is not held in very high regard. But I don't know if you remember from Australia, they had Elise Perry, who one of the best cricket players in the world and then was also playing at the World Cup, the FIFA World Cup, too, for soccer. I mean, that's Australia, too such a cool accomplishment like uh, you're doing something that you are a you know 99.9999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999
I always like to mention the domestic football leagues in these country episodes. I just like seeing the team names. And then how many of the teams are actually contenders? Is it a one-team league, a two-team league, a three-team league? Or is, is there some sort of parody? So in Malawi's case, they have the Malawi Super League. It's been around since 1986. 16 teams are in it currently. And yeah, David, this is very similar to other countries. Malawi has three teams that stand out among the rest. The Nyasa Big Bullets, 16 league titles. Their main rivals, the Mighty Wanderers with six league titles. And then the Silver Strikers, they have eight. But David, here's the plot twist, is that the Silver Strikers, they play in the capital city, but the Big Bullets and the Mighty Wanderers are actually based in Blantyre. I know that's not much of a difference with a country having two big cities, but at least they're not all in the capital city. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, can we talk about the team names? Like, I, I love it. It's very much uh, gives me uh, backyard sports, uh, you know, the video games vibes, yes, you know, yeah. like the little bombers, <laughs> the mighty wanderers. I love it. I'm fully endorsing this league. Yeah, yes. I've got the badges for you, too. Like the big bullets, they're the red team. The, the mighty wanderers, they got a darker blue. And then the silver strikers. Honestly, it doesn't look like they're they wear silver. It's blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love uh, the big bullets. It's it's like a guy on a on a shield kicking a soccer ball, and then the soccer ball has like crosshairs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's sweet. I I need more information on this league just because like I I hope the other names are just as good, and I want a jersey. <laughs> I didn't have this uh, initially written out, but I've got them pulled up now. There are some other unique team names in here. We got the Mighty Tigers. There's the Red Lions, uh, the Blue Eagles. Uh, there's a team called the Barracks, you know, like military barracks, the Dynamos, the Hammers, just extreme, just extreme. One word extreme. That's a club name. E extreme with an E or extreme starting with X? Uh, no, it has the E, unfortunately. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> extreme. <laughs> Yeah, it's a little bit more unique. It, it's I know it sounds more like a rec league level stuff when you just have color animal, but in a way it has more character than city name United, city name FC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like it. It definitely it just makes me think of like playing backyard soccer and backyard baseball. I, I always was like little bombers or I don't know. What, what were you for those? Um, on the backyard sports, I didn't play too much of them. I'm more thinking of the Mario sports, whereas the Luigi's mm. vacuums. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The, <laughs> Those are good too. Those the, are good the Mario fireballs, I think, was one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but if you like fun team names, we're going to move on to the men's national team. So we mentioned the Moravi Empire earlier. That's where the name Malawi comes from, derived from that. Now, the meaning of Malawi, it's disputed. It's believed that it means flames or something along those lines, like think the rising sun rising up above the lake, something alluding to that, but flames. So the national football team is nicknamed the flames and look at that badge. Yeah, I um, definitely gives the MS paint vibe, but I do like a flaming soccer ball whenever I see one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, also on the badge is, it's the emblem on Malawi's national flag. It's like a rising sun. Flames, though. Yeah, flaming soccer ball. Yeah, no, I, I dig it. I dig it. Uh, before we move on with the men's national team, just 
to reiterate, nothing of note with the women's national team. And the Malawian clubs, they're not really going to be pushing for continental championships on the club level. or They're not at that level. But the men's national football team, how successful are they? No World Cup appearances, but they do have three appearances at the Africa Cup of Nations. So those came pretty spread out, 1984, 2010, and 2021, which as of recording is the most recent. So at that tournament, they were a pot four team. So in a four team group, they were the lowest ranked team. They lost their first match, one nothing to Guinea, beat Zimbabwe two to one. And then the big result here, a zero zero draw with Senegal, who would end up winning the tournament. So Malawi actually ended up going through to the knockout stages. And in the round of 16, they got the opening goal, but ended up losing two to one to Morocco. I mean, yeah, you made it to the knockout stages for the first time. You didn't progress any further, but hey, you drew with the champs of Africa and you managed to score a goal against the team that would end up going all the way to the semifinals of the World Cup. There's something to be proud of there. Well, and then like a team that got to the semifinals of the World Cup because of their defense, just taking you know advantage of you know the situation. So like that's it. it's definitely bittersweet, but I mean, t- take your victories, you know? Yeah. Um, as far as Malawi's success beyond that, they've won some regional tournaments in the past. They used to play in the East region of Africa. I don't think they've won any since they've moved to like the Southern region. But just to paint the picture of Malawi's talent level in soccer, uh, we got some notable players to share. So first off, Kina Firi, star man of the 70s, over 70 international goals for Malawi. You got guys like Patrick Mabedi and Gabadino Mahango. They were stars in the South African Premier Soccer League, which is probably the biggest league in sub-Saharan Africa. You got Charles Petro, 22 years old, right back playing in Romania right now at club level. Could become their best player one day. But I've saved this guy last for you, David. Tamika Mkandia Wire. He played professionally in England. He moved to England as a child. He was born in Malawi, though. Played for Leighton Orient, who are... I think a third division side at the time, then played for Millwall, who played in the second tier, the championship in England. But the issue was he never played for the Malawi national team because he was a dual citizen with England or United Kingdom, I guess. Uh, Yeah, and Malawi just did not allow dual citizens on their national team. If you want the best possible team, maybe I'm not the one to speak about citizenship and identity and all that, but hey, if you want the best team, you got to pull from everyone you can. That's my two cents. Well, yeah, yeah. You're almost pulling non-citizens if you're trying to put, you know, like think about the World Baseball Classic or whatever. They were pulling in whoever they could get, you know, like, mm-hmm. they, you know, any kind of like adjacency, you know, they were pulling it in. It seems like a missed opportunity. And I can understand there is some pride with having, you know, singular citizenship players only. But at the same time, it's not like you're drowning in talent to the point where you can make those hard decisions. Yeah, I mean, you got a guy that's playing professionally. I mean, not at the highest level in England, but still, he'd be one of your best players. And he was still born in Malawi. This isn't like some distant descendant kind of thing. Well, that and like it, it, how much of the responsibility, you know, is on that person? Because it sounded like what his parents, you know, moved or whatever. Yeah, I think it was three. Yeah, so it's. He wasn't even his choice. Like, cut the guy some slack. Yeah, I mean, we got some questions there. Uh, 
mean, that's the most notable example I could find. He was probably the most famous player from Malawi just because he played in England, but I'm sure there are other examples, and that's the only reason I bring it up. But at this point, there's not much else to say with team sports in Malawi. I mean, you got basketball and volleyball. They're played, but you can say that about any country they play those. Uh, Beach soccer as well. You got cricket and rugby. Those have a small presence just because British ties. But I suppose one thing that is worth mentioning again is Lake Malawi, just due to all the water sports you can play on it. I mean, you got fishing, canoeing, kayaking, diving. And I found this interesting. I mean, swimming, obviously, you can swim in any lake, but there's a somewhat popular endurance swim. It's between Cape Ngomba and the Senga Bay. It's a 25-kilometer-long endurance swim. takes like 8 to 10 hours to complete. I can never do that, but hey, if you want to go to Malawi, knock yourself out. Endurance race. Swim. Swim. I don't know. Swimming for an hour straight seems crazy, but swimming for eight uh, eight to ten hours? I mean, are you kidding me? Mad respect to people who do that. Also, you know, hippos. Like, I, I'm sure it's safe, but, you know, like, I just, I just, I, I don't think I can do it. I, I don't know what it would be like. I'm sure they have a route mapped out. And at the same time, I feel you. <laughs> I just I would be the guy who like, yeah, oh, hippo. <laughs> like seven hours in. <laughs> Sorry, man. That's how you get those. That's how you get those good times. You know, you're like, oh, go. There's, there's one behind me. Uh. But we're going to wrap up with the Olympics. Unfortunately, Malawi has never won an Olympic medal. They haven't even come close to one from what I can tell. But they first participated independently in 1972. They've sent a handful of athletes every summer games since 1984. No winter games and nothing of the Paralympics to note either. But David, question for you. Do you think Malawi have at least medaled at the African Games? Yeah, I'll say yes, because if netball is a sport, you know, you probably you probably can get a medal. I don't know if it is, but... I don't know if it was actually at the African Games. It might be at some point, but no, they, they have medals, not in netball, but... Believe it or not, soccer, football. In 1987, they defeated Senegal, Egypt, and Cameroon and finished third in soccer at the African Games. Like nowadays, the Olympics, they restrict men's teams to under 23. Like you have to be under 23 years old to play. But at this time, it was like full senior national teams. Yeah, that is not a unimpressive resume i mean cameroon always feels a good team senegal always feels a good team you know i think egypt is usually pretty good you yeah know? so like you're taking you know down big opponents and that's crazy I, I would never have guessed that yeah i don't know what kind of rosters those other countries were filling out and cameroon they were one of the powerhouses with nigeria at that time but still third place never take it away from them but hey there was at least one olympic gold medalist born in malawi and that is Anthea Stewart, represented Zimbabwe in field hockey when they won gold in 1980, which we did mention that way back in Zimbabwe episode. That was like almost a year ago. Give that a listen if you'd like. Uh, but one last athlete to mention is Isaac Shalemba. He is a former world title holder in boxing, specifically in the IBO super middleweight class. I thought I knew most of the weight classes, but then when I hear super middleweight Linguistically, that doesn't make sense. Super middle? Like extra medium? What do you mean? <laughs> Boxing uh, weight classes are very odd. And, you know, I get it. Size absolutely matters when 
exerting force you know it's just uh, half the equation is mass but like i don't know i feel like they, we gotta figure out something else it's all confusing and it varies from like league to league yes you know, yes there's just like four different organizations with world boxing and they all got slightly different names and then you throw in like mixed martial arts weight classes in there i just super middleweight apparently this is 160 to 168 pounds just call it the 160 weight class i don't know or or 168 tops middle middleweight just uh just, yeah. just go ahead and full cindy <laughs> it, it just bothers me like super middle Ugh. it's like an extra medium t-shirt like what do you mean <laughs> <laughs> just order the large just order the large that's our rant on weight classes. But to wrap this one up on Malawi, if you can't tell, they haven't really had the financial support to really send athletes to some major events. They don't have the infrastructure in place to really cultivate highly competitive teams in a lot of sports. I mean, netball is that major exception. And I think you can look at it this way. The success that they've had in netball, seeing players go abroad, have these successful careers at club level, and then they come back to Malawi and they give back to the country. They help grow that sport further. And in a way, that grassroots style of growing a sport, it's more natural than pouring a bunch of money into a sport that may not have a huge foothold. So I think only good things can come from it. And like we said, eventually that, I guess, chokehold from the powerful nations in netball, it's got to break at some point. And Malawi's right there to take it away. Yeah, yeah, I feel like um, the advantage you have is kind of like the disadvantage the U.S. has in terms of soccer, where it's like those other countries aren't sending their best athletes to netball, most likely. You know, like they, like they're absolute like phenom athletes. They're probably going to soccer or cricket. Those are probably where their best athletes are going. And so that's the kind of little, little, little notch in the ground that you need to just kind of get your foothold in. If if this is your sport, your 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 top women's sport, I, I think with a little bit of time and maybe a little bit of luck, you can you can you can topple it. And then once you topple it, who knows what what your program does after that? Right. I think that's a good point too. I didn't think about that, but like Australia, when we covered them, I think we glanced over netball just because they have so many other notable women's sports. Like they're really good at cricket. Uh, they're pretty decent at soccer too. And then basketball, they're they've had. MVPs in the WNBA. So I think netball there, it's still popular, but lower ranked. And here in Malawi, it's the women's sport. But yeah, that's it for Malawi. David, you want to give a little hint at what we might be covering next? Well, I think it's uh, quite clear after this episode, but we will be covering another world championship. And, uh, you know, it shouldn't take too much imagining to kind of get where we're going, but it should be very fun. We're going to kind of do a deeper dive into that sport. I think it's going to be a big learning episode for both of us. And of course, for you back home. Yeah, definitely a big learning experience, just like this episode was for us. And the week after that, our next country we're going to East Asia. I don't think we've done East Asia yet. This isn't one of the super big ones, but there's definitely a lot to talk about. And maybe a bit more of a variety of sports too. Be ready for that. It's definitely going to be a fun one. Yeah, it, I think it will be. Um, I'm actually really excited because you know there's some some controversies with uh, that uh, country, so it, I think it'll be fun. Did you just call it a country? Oh, <laughs> oh, yikes, yikes, yikes! See, we're already getting going. I think I might have called it a country too. I mean, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, but yeah, that'll, that'll make more sense when we get to it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, the best thing you can do for us is to share, share it with people that you think would find it interesting too. maybe friends, family. The next best thing would be to give us a like or, a, you know, a rating on your podcasting platform of choice. We're on most major ones. We're here every week doing some type of sports content. Half the time, it's uh, country profiles like this episode today. Other half, it's just, uh, you know, whatever's happening or, you know, whatever presents itself. And thanks again, you know, just for listening. It means it means a lot to us. If you want to get in touch with us, you know, we have contact information in the show notes. So uh, with that, I guess uh, we'll just wrap it up with a couple, couple goodbyes. So see you next time. Bye. Bye.